Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Before we dive into today's episode... You've asked for it time and time again, so we built what is probably the most requested resource for the Her First 100K community, introducing Debt Defeater, exactly how to understand, make a plan, and pay off your debt once and for all, without shame or judgment. This is one of our most affordable courses, which was important to us because we know that if you're looking for this information, the last thing you want to do is spend a ton of money on a course. When I tell you that this resource is packed, I mean it. We're covering topics like how to smash your debt in five steps, how to negotiate your interest rates, why credit cards are important and how to use them responsibly. We're talking student loan refinancing and more. We've also built a brand new bundle that includes Debt Defeater and our best-selling course, Back to Basics, because we know that getting out of debt is only one step in your financial journey. Head to herfirsthundredk.com slash course to grab the course or the Back to Basics bundle. That's herfirsthundredk.com slash course. We'll also link it in the show notes. And as a special offer to Financial Feminist listeners, take 10% off Debt Defeater with code FFDEBT. That's F-F-D-E-B-T. Okay, back to the show. Financial feminists, welcome back. You're going to love this episode. Oh my gosh, this episode. Okay, this conversation took <laughs> took on a life of its own. And um, it, it, we asked none of the questions we had planned. We had this whole research document that me and my team spent hours on. And in the most beautiful way possible, this this interview went off the rails and turned into like a genuine, authentic conversation and a beautiful exchange on masculinity, femininity, patriarchy, society, life purpose. And we even somehow weaved in compound interest. And so I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. Our guest today is actor, director, producer, author, podcast host, entrepreneur, and change maker, Justin Baldoni. Justin is the co-founder of Wayfarer Studios, an independent financial and production engine pioneering purpose-driven multi-platform film and television productions that elevate and speak to the human spirit. He is also the founder of Wayfarer Foundation, a nonprofit which seeks to change the ways communities see and respond to unhoused populations. You may know Justin from his incredible TED Talk. We'll link it in the show notes. It's fantastic. His podcast and book, Man Enough, also linked in the show notes, and a little show you may have heard of called Jane the Virgin, where he played Raphael. I am so thrilled with this conversation, and I'm so excited to share it with you. I mentioned this briefly in the episode, but I have been a devout follower of Justin's work for, gosh, five, six years. And it was such an amazing pinch me moment for me to be able to spend time with him, talk to him like a friend and colleague, and just have a really beautiful conversation that felt like we were in the room together. And I'm so honored to have him share his vulnerability. I was just blown away continually by his work both on and offline to really showing up as the best man he can be and as an ally for not only my work, but the work of every woman doing positive things in the world. So a few disclaimers before we jump in this conversation. 
Towards the end of the episode, we spend some time talking about feminine, masculine energies. And we want to remind our audience that feminine, masculine, in this conversation, we're not gendering feminine and masculine. We're talking about energy specifically. And Justin explains this so well in our conversation and uses so many great examples to explain what masculine and feminine energy are and how we need both regardless of our gender identity, to thrive. So please know that when we say masculine, feminine as we're talking, we don't mean them as gendered statements. We more mean them as energies. All right. Without further ado, Justin Baldoni. You know, I, I think you know how long I've admired your work, so I'm just excited to chat with you. I've that's very kind of you. I've been I watched Jane the Virgin every single episode, every single season, and then found all of your man enough stuff and just been just been in awe of you and your work. So it's so needed and mm. so necessary. So thank you. Thanks for thank being you, here. Thank you, Tori. I'm happy to be chatting with a financial feminist. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I want to learn some stuff. I don't want you I, to Great. I am I'm here. I'm here for all of it. I'm not here um, to teach. I'm here to learn. Help me. <laughs> I mean, ask whatever questions you want. <laughs> but um yeah, I, I also want to respect your time and just appreciate you being here. I have a question. Sure, go. If I start now at 38, mm-hmm. does compounding still work in my benefit? Hundred percent. Yeah, Great. I always say that it's never too late and never too early. Um, because of regardless of what time you start, if you give yourself enough time, right? The best day to start yeah. is now because you're not waiting to start tomorrow. So if you can get started in 10 years, you'll have more money, of course, because of yeah. compounding than you do now, right? But what about something I've never understood about compounding? And I'm I'm totally at risk and fine uh sounding I- ignorant or uneducated here. But I appreciate you being vulnerable I know, enough to ask. I know if I know if I if I were 18 and I started yeah. with, you know, a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars a month. Right. What it could turn into. But if I have a, a, a good amount of money in uh, the stock market or in these accounts and I put in just a lump sum, yeah. let's just say, for example, let's just say tomorrow I put in $50,000 into an account that I already had something in. Does, is that not as good as if I had 50 grand in there from compounding from before, it's hard to say you could do the math. That's where I get like, confused to kind of make up. I'm putting makeup in quotes, make up for yeah. lost time. You want to put more money. So when you're 18, you probably don't have $50,000, right? So, so you you're relying 10, 20, hundred bucks a month, right? Yeah. You're relying more on time than the amount of money when you get, when you're younger, right? Because you probably don't have a lot of money. We hope as you get older that you do have more money And we hope that you started early. If you don't, that's okay. So then you're kind of making up for it by contributing more money. But is $50,000, and again, it's an arbitrary number, is $50,000 in my account, let's say I started two accounts, one account when I was 18. Yes. With, and one account tomorrow. Both accounts tomorrow have $50,000 in them. Do they compound, this is kind of like one of those SAT questions. Do they compound at the same rate craig and stasia have two yeah yeah um so 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 one one of them has been compounding to equal fifty thousand dollars tomorrow and the other one i put fifty thousand dollars in tomorrow when i'm 50 is the same amount of money in there um i'm trying to think through this math 
if you are 18 and you have $50,000, let's say now you're 28 and you have $50,000, it's the same $50,000 that somebody put in just now. Got it. So it doesn't change the rate of compounding. No. It compounds the same. Got it. No. It's just if you are doing more heavy lifting when you're younger, you can kind of ease off the gas. So for me, my, my whole thing, her first 100K was my own 100K journey. I'm trying yeah. to save hundred thousand dollars at twenty five. Now I've contributed more it's than amazing. that, but if I thank you, thank you. If I never contributed more than that, that hundred k would be one point six million at sixty five years old. Yeah. If I just literally just like let it do its thing, right? So that compounding works regardless of how old you are. So uh, so having a hundred thousand dollars at twenty eight or twenty six, which yeah. was your journey, at that point you retire equals 1.8 million or whatever you said. 1.6. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1.6 is the same as if you were to tomorrow put $100,000 in at your same age. It would still equal 1.6 at retirement. Got it. Yeah, because I don't know regardless why of the, whether like, you... The, no, I get the Tony it. Tony Robbins really and the Dave Ramsey's have confused me because you see mm. all those things. I know well, you have Well, they've shamed you. That's the big thing um, is they've but, shamed but, you. But it's funny because... And then sometimes I've done the math and I'm like, I don't know how that quite works. Tony Robbins, I appreciate you, but I don't quite understand how that all works. So I know a lot of people are confused about compounding. Yeah. So it's um, just your interest makes interest, right? So in the same yeah. way that like student loans suck because your interest never stops compounding, right? That's compound interest working negatively against you where yes, you have so many people, right? And I get tagged in TikToks all the time where somebody had $100,000 of student loan debt. They've been paying it off for two years and they still have like 98,000. And they're like, how? And it's because- Oh no, that's, that's most of most of my friends and people in my own family are struggling right. with that. And it's, a, right. it's, a, it's I think it's a, it's a criminal offense what we're doing to you. I completely agree. Could not agree more. And that's not even to mention things like payday loans that are 400% interest, which I could talk to you about another time. But it's the same thing with compound interest, just it works in your favor when you're investing. And it's like, yeah. on average, 7 to 8%, we've been seeing like 12% returns as of Oh, it's crazy. Years. And yeah. a lot of people don't even realize they're paying the interest only. Right. So then they end up being right. 30 years old. And it hasn't They've gone only down paid at all. the interest or part They've been paying of the interest, the interest yeah. for 18 years, 15 right. years. Right. And I and have a whole like, episode so that we're doing. Right. About you, the way you pay off debt is you don't, if you can, you don't just contribute your monthly payments. You contribute extra money and you make sure it goes to the principal. And you literally most times have to call your debt provider and be like, hi, how do I contribute to the principal of this yeah. debt? Because they don't make it easy because no, it's they set up make that money. way. Right, exactly. they make money the longer you stay. Yeah, of course, yeah. And that's and when you tie that into our educational system, and then the fact that the majority of young people don't have a job that uh, reflects their degree at all, and yes. or doesn't don't make enough money starting out that actually allow them to even afford their college payment. Right. You're you wonder why nobody can afford to buy a house. <laughs> you wonder it's why too many lattes, want, Justin. It's too many lattes. You've bought too many lattes and that's why you can't afford an $850,000 home that has two bedrooms in it. It's Starbucks fault. Yes, it's the $4 latte, which is speak, my transition, the most gendered bullshit as well. It's not like you bought too many, I don't know, season tickets to your favorite NFL game. It's specifically you bought too many lattes, which is seemingly this very like feminine thing. So yeah. a lot of the a lot of the advice is very gendered as well. I I think men drink lattes, no? 
I'm sure they oh, do. Oh no, 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 no. We like it. We like it black with no sugar. Black and yeah. I don't, yeah. It's it's the nitro cold brew, <laughs> right? In our yeah. Face. I don't Give know. Me, let me get it. Let me just get as much caffeine in me as possible. Just just before I have a stroke. I that's yeah. what I want. I want it to be like just before the stroke <laughs> and the heart attack. Just before my the heart butter? literally explodes. Where you put the butter in your coffee too? Isn't that a thing? Hold on, hold on, Tori. I can't. Okay, now we're crossing a line because I actually. <laughs> do you I, do butter? I actually, uh, well, I'm on a keto diet, so I'm actually oh, pro okay. butter. So you're putting, I'm pro you're butter. Putting butter in it. But um, that actually started. It was a. It's a. It's a biohacker named Dave, Dave Asprey. But uh, that was a. This was a Himalayan mountain monk practice i mean so if you go up into the himalayas they've been putting um yak butter in their tea for thousands of years like their black tea it's not like herbal tea right it's like it's, the caffeinated yeah, it's like, yeah it's, okay whatever they whatever kind of tea they would brew yeah i don't have any uh friends um in that part of the world who have been practicing that and um but i do know I thought you were gonna very, say very i don't have any friends tradition. with yaks who i can get butter from <laughs> like that would have been a better either. joke tori you're funnier than i am that would have been a much better joke <laughs> Uh, I don't have any. I'm looking at yaks. Yak butter is very expensive. Um, yeah. But we have we have a property here in the mountains. I could have yaks technically. Uh, no, but yeah. So I'm actually pro butter in things like matcha because it okay. actually makes it taste really good. And it's a and fat is a good brain food. We're diverging. Yeah. Uh, no, but we were talking I, I find about matcha the gendered like stance grass. on. So if we're gonna put butter in it, I will put butter in anything to make it taste better. It does taste like grass. That's why you got to put a lot of honey in it as well mm, i make it okay. one day tori i will make you a great matcha and we will talk all about gendered finance <laughs> and you can doesn't that sound fun me. for you doesn't that sound so fun <laughs> what, what, what most people don't understand is i'm actually quite an introvert and i'm not great at small talk so these conversations mm. are much more interesting to me uh yeah and i like to learn in conversations so any place i can learn uh i enjoy I enjoy being there. This is a so I've I've learned something. So now I know tomorrow if I were to put put a certain amount of money in an account, uh, I wouldn't be that far behind. I could start tomorrow. Yeah, it's either like I mean, time is always better than the amount of money. I say that to anybody. But if you don't have yeah. as much time, and you're privileged enough and to be able to contribute a bunch of money, contribute a bunch of money because that's how yeah. you make up for that kind of lost time. So I recently was talking, I have a wonderful business manager. He's a dear friend. Shout out to Michael Brown. He's amazing. Um, and he's been really helping me a lot. We started when my kids were born, we started um, college funds yeah. for them. But, but I've been thinking so much about how I don't think that college as we know it is going to exist for them. Hmm. Tell me more. I don't think, I don't, I can't imagine my generation and your generation, because we're a few years apart, being okay with the way that colleges run in America. And I, and so one of the questions I asked him was like, Hey, I, I'm, I'd love to do this. I want to do this. But in the event they don't go to college, because I'm not going to make them go to college. I didn't go to college. Yeah. In the event they don't go to college or college looks different in 15 years in terms of how much it costs, um, you know, ways to actually go, what happens to this account? And right. then he explained, it's kind of just like a regular investment account. Yeah. Um, but, but I guess I, I would be taxed if I don't use the money on their college. That's what it, that was the. I believe so. Yeah, it depends on. There's like certain state restrictions. There's just certain rules tied to these accounts. There's yeah. some that are more flexible. 
of like they can go to trade school or they can use the money for something else. But yeah, there are some that are specifically like for college and that you're you're taxed if you don't contribute. Tori, with your that. beautiful mind, I'm, th- welcome to my podcast now. I'm asking you questions. Great. I'm here um, for it. With your beautiful mind that understands all of this, don't you think it would be in America's best interest to almost pay people to go to college? Hmm. Similar to Scandinavian countries, as an example? I mean, of course, in theory, I love that. My brain immediately goes, where's the money going to come? And then my brain goes after that. Well, from the military, um, from our military budget. Um, sure. Yeah. No, I think, isn't it Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and and a bunch of people, they're trying to get four-year college, or um, excuse me, two-year community college for free. Um, it would make sense. Also, trade schools. Sense to me. Um, right. You know, vocational schools that teach young people actual trades versus versus going to school and just picking your poison and then not using it you know right um if, if we have such a labor shortage in so many areas of the country i'd feel like wouldn't that be an interesting idea is to be encouraging young people versus penalizing them right well and i'm not an economist but i i think to your point earlier the the like american dream for so long right was something you aspired to is not only the you know the house and the two and a half kids but like go to college and college your degree is your ticket into yeah. certain rooms or you know opening doors for you and especially after 2008 that's not a thing anymore like just because you have no. a college degree and even if you have a master's degree that typically doesn't mean anything anymore so that's a no. larger conversation about just this expectation of like, oh, I'm 17. I guess I need to go to college. And I went to college and I think that was 100% the right decision for me. But I also graduated debt free. And that was a combo of my parents having saved a little bit of money and me working my butt off in college to pay for yeah. it. And, and so privilege. There's some privileges. Totally, yeah, totally yeah. privilege. I'm the first person to acknowledge that. And so you know, a bunch of bunch of my friends as well are absolutely saddled with student debt. And then they're also working jobs that actually really have nothing to do with their degree. And they're like, well, what did this get me? Yeah, they're working those jobs to pay off the student debt. And oftentimes they're miserable because <laughs> they're not chasing their dreams. So they're in the workforce, miserable, right. not being as productive as uh, the patriarchy would like them to be mm-hmm. and because they're not happy. Right, right. But they're forced to work anyway because you have to send $500 a month to Sally Mae. And or your credit's ruined, which again, credit is a whole nother issue, right? It is a whole nother issue. I don't know how to transition out of all of this. Into questions. What did we come on to talk about? I, 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 just, about I came on. I came masculinity. on. <laughs> I thought I came on the podcast to learn about uh, financial literacy because it's never I too mean, late. You're welcome to ask me any and all questions. Kristen's in here like, hi, Tori. Get back on track, please. <laughs> yeah, Justin, fun fact. I went to school for theater and marketing. It was not finance, not business, not anything like that. You're kidding. Nope. That's amazing. No, I wanted to be an actor. That was that was the goal. That explains why you're so good at TikTok. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Because... I, I, I have to be honest. I feel like it's a a skill I didn't know I was going to need of like, Tori, you're going to have to get good at this app that uh, a bunch of 17 year olds are on all the time. But it takes it takes skill and personality and (laughs) theatrics. Um, And it makes sense that you're using both of those things to market 
a skill set you didn't go to school for. I just am really surprised you didn't go to school for it. How did you learn it? Mm-mm. Again, welcome my to parents. my podcast, Tori. No, again, I love it. It's my parents. It was my parents. It was okay. my parents really being frugal and making thoughtful financial choices because they didn't grow up with a lot. And so mm. I was their investment. And so, you know, the money so, that they so have saved went to me. An, how did you become an expert on finances and yeah all of this it, it was my parents teaching me you know how to manage a credit card responsibly how to save money and then i graduated college i'm a young and i'm 27 i graduated college in 2016 and trump got elected like six months after and mm. i was the friend all of my friends were coming to for advice and i realized you know i really was activated to do something i was coming into adulthood in a different america than i expected i thought oh first mm-hmm. female president and of course that didn't happen and so through those conversations and through my own financial journey, I was like, oh, this is this is like the best form of protest we have for marginalized groups is I don't think we have mm-hmm. any sort of equality until we have financial equality. And if we can get more money into specifically more women's hands, I think everything starts to change. And yeah. so I started learning a ton both to better my own life and then I would share it with friends and then started a blog that later became her first hundred K and everything took off from there. Mm. So yeah, I think it was I the viewing so money much. as the form of protest. So, no, I think that's such a unique perspective, and it's what it's what gives me so much hope for the future. Meeting women like you and people mm-hmm. like you, um, despite how dark and heavy and negative it can feel sometimes, yeah. looking around. Because again, you're you're taking what you know and doing what you love and finding ways to contribute with your unique skill set, which you. I believe every human being on this planet, as a, even as a Baha'i. Uh, as a part of my faith, we're told yeah. every human being on this planet has the ability to affect the world in a positive way. All of us are given a unique meaning that nobody else on the planet has the ability to contribute in the way that we can yeah. perspective. And we can all be of service. And true prayer and faith is blending your work with your service. Mm. So finding a way to affect the world through your work is such a gift to humanity and i applaud you tori for justin that's for doing that's that. how i feel about your work is it is so oh, look necessary. at you transitioning look at you transitioning <laughs> i was i it was twofold it was i wanted to give you a compliment and i also wanted to transition i was it was not an inauthentic compliment i didn't it come on here not to talk. An authentic- what, 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 what you what you and your producer don't know is i didn't come on here to talk about me i really was excited to just talk to you so you're, you're your we can, we can like, forego all questions i'm good with that i'm fine with that we can oh, keep talking i'm just here to talk i think you're i Great. think you're a badass i, will I love all questions here that's fine no you can you can still ask me questions Tori. No. i just no, i just thought it was principle. really funny now it's the principle um <laughs> no. that was hey good one pun the intended mm-hmm. thank right you. Um, Thank you. I'm very interested in talking to you. Oh, 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 oh I love it. I love that's it. That's coming out of nowhere. Wow. Uh, that, I'm that's more awake be... today than I thought. It's, it's the butter in my coffee. You have to put that on TikTok, but use like, a, I don't know, one of those like jingles at the end. Like, but, Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. That sounds great. No, I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it. I was thank honestly you. trying to give I, you I, a I general. Appre- I do appreciate what you were saying. Thank you. I hear you. Clearly, I'm not good at taking compliments. <laughs> None of us are. Oh, you're going to really appreciate this. I, I think it was actually on TikTok. I saw a quote the other week that said, um, I'm going to give you your flowers regardless of if you water them. 
Mm-hmm. That's great. So like, I'm going to compliment you and then what you choose to do with it is yours. It's yours, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm yeah. going to give you your flowers regardless if you water them. I'm like, Oof. I love that. I know. I was like, that was TikTok's really a great place to learn. You just it have to is. be really careful. Uh, I think I think it's important that everybody also understands that it's really a game that a yes. large company is playing with you. Yes. So so long as you can set time limits, you can be aware of yourself, you can be aware of your brain and how it's working, how your dopamine is increasing or decreasing. You can trust your gut. So when somebody says you can make money uh, and retire tomorrow, it's maybe not true. <laughs> maybe not true. All of these things are are important. So TikTok can be a great thing. Social media can be a great thing so long as you have the awareness to use it correctly. Right. What most of us don't have is that awareness because our brains are oftentimes the ones in control. So we don't even realize we're becoming addicted to something. So until we are. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply they've built it like that and i think we're only just understanding after now becoming addicted oh this thing was addicting you know what i mean well everything is built that way it's all random reward theory right it's all built and created to keep us scrolling not not being sure what happens next because the longer we spend on the app the more money that they make so we are users and there are only a few industries in the world that call their clients users users yeah well if your facebook it's community members right the drug, or it's like right yeah. drug companies you know drug dealers right right um right and of course all of us who are on social media and uh it's casinos have been using the same technology forever mm-hmm. i mean that's yeah when you walk and there's no difference i look i look around now and i know we're not talking about anything you wanted to talk about i don't care uh, but let's dive in we can talk about masculinity we can totally talk about masculinity but when you walk into a casino have you ever just seen you see like all those older people generally some younger but they're just sitting on the slot machines and they're kind of slunched yeah, over just and pressing just the button you mindlessly... don't even get to like fully do the action yeah. anymore it's now just the yeah, yeah now it's just a button you're just pressing yeah. the button pressing the button pressing yeah. the button there's no difference between no, that generation I... and us if you just if you go to a park if you if you walk around, if you go to a mall, if you watch children interacting or kids interacting that have phones, it's the same thing. We're just right. pressing buttons, pressing buttons, scrolling, right. scrolling. And that's what's dangerous. That's the, that's, the thing of, that's the thing that's dangerous, which is why if you can learn from somebody like yourself in that scroll, 
And yeah. you're kind of saying like, get off of the app, go do this other stuff. I think that's also really important. So again, I'm trying because I'm addicted to, to it too. Like I'm no better. Like I think we're all, I remember literally, I think I turned 18 and my Nana who love my Nana. Oh, I, called but my, my, I called my Nana a Nana too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. She's my yeah. only living grandparent. She's my Nana. Um, yeah. And she was like, okay, I'm going to give you $25 and we're going to go to the casino. And she was so excited. And yeah. I remember that was like the worst hour of my life. Like it was yeah. so depressing. It was so sad. And yes, it was a lot of older people who, you know, like slack jawed, just like pressing buttons. And you're That's exactly how that generation right. got their dopamine hit in many ways. Right. And what's so sad about it, the hard part is that a lot of those people are, are sitting there because they genuinely need money. Right. And right. they're and they're hoping they're hoping for that hit. If they could just if they could just get it, if the lucky sevens, if all three sevens right. that'll like they can pay their rent. But it's no different than what we're doing to young people on TikTok. The illusion yeah. of fame. Yeah. The illusion of, oh wow, I could go viral. And what they did on TikTok was so brilliant is they made it they democratized virality. Yeah. Totally. So that anybody, regardless of your followers, has the chance to go viral. And the more people that experienced virality and took a little bite of mm -hmm. that that five seconds of fame, the more they stayed on the app searching for the next one. And this is so funny you say one. this, Justin, because I'm literally about to give a keynote in an hour and a half about how to grow on TikTok. And I feel incredibly called out in the most beautiful way. Because <laughs> I'm about to literally go teach people, here's what I did to go viral, and here's how you can do it too and apply it to your business. So all I would say is this. So you're not asking me for my advice. I'm on your podcast, but I, I would what love I wanna, your advice. What, 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 here's what I would say to you going to talk to all of these young, impressionable yeah. kids who look up to you is their, their sense of themselves and their why and their purpose must be bigger than their desire for virality. Yes. And we have six slides about how you have to serve your audience before you try to sell them on anything. But even the fact that everybody wants to go viral, I think it speaks to a bigger issue, which is a collective experience of nobody feeling enough. And wanting to be seen. Well, that's at the core of enoughness, right? Right. I want to be seen. I want to be valued. I want to be liked. I want to be loved. I want to be, I want to be yeah. appreciated. So really, social media and TikTok and this and this casino, uh, who's going to go viral next game? Mm. It's a deep desire to be loved. Totally. I just want to be loved, and this illusion, the mirage that, well, if I go viral, then I'll be liked, and that is a that is a mirage because when you get there, the only thing that awaits is a desire for it to happen again. Yeah. It's a it's a quick dopamine hit and then a desire to repeat whatever the process was that you just did right. so that it can happen again. Because when you don't get it, then you feel terrible about yourself. And it's nobody's fault either. It's just it's it's our brains and then an app conditioning our brains to expect it. And it's not just the app. I mean, we can we can happily tie this back to your work and also my work. But that is the goal of the patriarchy. It's to make yes. us feel like yes. we are not enough as we are. That's how it, tie, it ties into everything from racism to uh, capitalism and, and the element of control and power.
that uh, that a certain group is uh, possessing is so sad because it makes everybody else feel like no matter what they get, they just want a taste of that power. They want a taste of that virality. They want a taste of what it feels like to be seen. And then they get it for a second, right. but only long enough to give you a sense of the power so that you want it more. That thing that's happening on TikTok is what happens with men from the time they're little boys. Mm-hmm. And it is it is one of the reasons why our country looks the way that it does and the world looks the way that it does. We just so desperately want to experience enoughness. We just want to feel like we're in power, like yeah. we're enough, like we can provide, which is why my wife and I have these amazing conversations of how the patriarchy and how this system is hurting us both. <laughs> it's not just women. Yes. It's not just gender nonconforming and trans and queer folks. It's also the men. We are suffering and dying. Yes. Because we are willing to to suffer at all costs in order to experience and feel just a little bit of that power. To feel safe enough, manly enough, right. man enough, like uh, financially stable enough. Because the world is working against us. Well, and I don't know how much you've read. So I am literally like five days from submitting oh, the manuscript for my book. And I'm it's so very terrifying. Um, Writing a book is hard. Thank you. I'm so excited. I yeah. will talk about another time. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know how anybody does this. And I am extremely ambitious and very hardworking. And yeah, this is the hardest really hard. thing I've ever done. It's fucking awful. One of the things that I, unfortunately shouldn't have shocked me, but did was when I was doing research. So there's one stat in particular on the census. The last time we took it, I'm trying to remember what year that was, but in heteronormative couples where a woman made more money than her male partner, she lied and said she was making less and her male partner lied and says he was making more Yeah, in the 21st century. It's again, it shouldn't have surprised me, but it did of just still these narratives that are perpetuated, not just about money, but about specifically how money relates to masculinity or traditional masculinity, right? Of like men still have to be providers. They still have to, you know, make more money and that it is a threat to their masculinity. Assuming they're in a heteronormative relationship, if their female partner, their woman partner makes less than they do, or excuse me, makes more than they do. Yeah. It's, I don't know what it's crazy to me still that this is perpetuated and I see it in my own life. It's not crazy to me, just like, just like, I'm not surprised that racism still exists. In sure, our it's more because just like our, I, I just want us to be better than we are, you know. Yeah, but what I, when you say that, what I feel is sadness. Yeah, I feel what I like. What what I feel in my body, as you said, that is like I feel so much empathy for that man that had to lie. Right. And for that, and for the woman, right, 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 because what we're looking at is a system that has taught them, yeah, their entire lives that they have to pick and stay in a lane, yeah, and 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 well, and then punishes them if they choose to leave. Exactly, leaving that lane is dangerous. Yes, because there's a very good chance the woman loves the man and the man who is the father to her children, and he's a very good man. And she doesn't want to hurt him yeah. because of his fragile ego that has been conditioned since the time he was a child. 
yeah. which is the other th which is the other th I don't think we can have these conversations and I think you know I think a lot of men have a hard time having these conversations because there's so much anger and aggression towards men on the other side of it it's like we blame we're blaming the men we can't blame the men because the men are hurting too yeah it's the it's the it's the insecurity it's the it's the fact it's the bullying that happened it's the it's the fact that genuinely men feel as if they are not male this is how we've conditioned men mm, that they are yeah. not male they can lose the rights <laughs> to a club simply because they don't earn as much as their woman and that as an example is just one of a hundred right can you there's give me some so others more i know i know there's I mean, millions i mean and, and then and they're not all they're not all um they're not all uh financial i mean of course look at not. sex i mean you, we could look at sex right as an example we could look at penis size right we yeah. can look at um we can look height. at emotional stability we could, oh my god look we could look at height, height. right this yeah. th this myth that a man is only a man if he's over six foot tall when in reality like a very small percentage of men especially in america are over six feet tall the average height yeah. is what five, between nine. five seven and five nine Five nine, right? five ten in Europe. Yeah. Five nine here. I've googled it. Apparently, and so are, clearly. <laughs> and so, what are we seeing? What are we seeing? We're seeing we're seeing shoe companies coming out with shoes that help men look taller, mm. as if that eventually the woman's not going to find out <laughs> right. that he's shorter. Right. Uh, you know, right. but but we're programmed to feel less than in every area. Yeah. So, at the very least, what are we told as boys growing up that our job is to protect women? to provide for women that is what's that is what's programmed into us as young boys as if the schools we go to are little factories turning mm -hmm. us into robots we're not allowed to feel we're not allowed to to ask ourselves how we're doing or how we're feeling we're, we have to keep our head down if we're in pain we can't say anything we cannot cry we can't show emotion unless right. it's anger or rage we have to provide we have to protect we have to make more money i mean these are all programmed into us so it's no wonder we end up the way that we are and then when we do finally fall in love when we do finally um experience uh those of us that are in hetero relationships like the the strength and the power and the beauty of women um we then become even more insecure because society has told us that these women if they do find their voice and their power in this society um are threatening yes and we are not manly enough or men enough if we're not able to then control that uh, like it's a reflection on us right yes like it's god forbid <laughs> god forbid our woman then wakes more than us right. what are we doing wrong versus the question should be how did you get her <laughs> how did like how did you how did you pull that that's <laughs> awesome because it's because because we're killing ourselves we're slaving away we're 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 grinding ourselves to the bone and we have nothing left yet yes. what would it be like if if we found a woman that made as much or more than we, it would mean we have to work a little bit less it would make us happier <laughs> i am like grinning because the vast majority of my own romantic relationships have ended largely because nothing i did directly put this person down but the very act of like them seeing me be successful and be independent yeah. and know who I was, was a threat to themselves. And rather than seeing that my, my healthiest relationships have been when that person, when both of us see what 
the other person has that maybe we don't and use it as a healthy challenge of like, how can I rise up and how can I, this is amazing, right? Rather Mm. than a threat to myself or threat to them. I mean, it should be, it's like a gift. It's like a benefit. Like it's, 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 but like, oh, he's a better communicator than I am. Okay. Well then how can I learn to communicate better? Great. How can I rise to his level? How can, if this person's amazing, how can I continue this relationship? Okay. I need to learn how to communicate better. Great. Challenge accepted. Let's go. We all have. Yeah. Right. We all have things we're great at and things that we bring to relationships. Right. Um, but we have been brainwashed in so many, in these like fundamental ways that these things are deal breakers because yeah. they reflect poorly on ourselves. And if you really tap in, if you're a man and you really tap into like what you want your life to look like, the idea of like the subservient woman who's at home and available for you whenever you are ready and has dinner on the table for you and is just with the kids, like that, that 1950s idea that really, you know, really I think existed because we went to World War II um, and the men had to go and fight for their country and this is what ended up happening. And then we just got used to this idea that, oh yeah, women are just like, you know, they're just there. They're just there they're, to make us they're feel there. better about they're ourselves. There they're just there. They're just there to have a dinner cooked for us. No, that was. A, I think that was a byproduct of years and years of sexism, but also like the fact that we went to war, and 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 that was the way our country looked at the time. But but let me go. Let me just go back to this idea of what do I want my life to look like as a as a man? If I really tap into who I am as a human being and the father I want to be and the husband I want to be and and who I want to be in the world, what's the most important is showing up for the people in my family and being present because that is what I'll never get back. I have my whole life to work. I only have 18 years to raise my children. And we forget about that. And we spend our lot, we think that we have to work, 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 work. And then even when we find a woman that maybe makes, that also works or makes more than us, it's almost like, no, I want that burden because we've been conditioned to need that burden because that's how we're validated and feel enough. Well, that's your identity. It's it's tied to your identity. Our identity is tied to productivity in a a patriarchal society. If we're not producing, we have no role. Yeah, but what about producing wonderful children as fathers what about being a role model what about being present what about what about taking your kids to the park what about having a wife sure that maybe works and you have some extra time to be with the kids yeah what about the joy of being able to feed your family actually feed them like make the food versus put the food on the table we don't think about the other benefits that this type of equality can bring into a marriage, but they're, they're there and they're beautiful. I always joked with Emily. I'm like, Hey, if your company takes off, I might retire early. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you know, and now we know how compound like, interest works. We can, we can go I, for days. Yeah, I feel like I just learned. I, I'm going to put money in the bank account tomorrow. I'm not going to, I'm not going to kick myself about not starting when I was 18. There's mm-hmm. always room. There's always time. You go win. I'll win at home. I mean, those things are options. Right. But we have to be willing to like look and address that root, uh, that the, the thing in us, the thing that we were taught at such an early age that causes us to feel terrible 
when somebody else has the illusion of more money or power or success or whatever. Yeah. My brain immediately zooms out further too and goes, of course, I want that for men in my life and just in general, right? We still exist in a society that not only, you know, if, if we bridge the, the, the patriarchal narratives for men, we still exist in a patriarchal society where if men take the children for the day, it's like, oh, that's so nice for him to babysit. It's like, these are his children too, right? Or we know, I, and again, I can bring the financial into this. We know that when men have children, they are actually, it's called the fatherhood like benefit is that they yeah. then make more money, right? Because they have children and need to quote unquote provide. But when women have children, right? They are, they are penalized for it. Yeah. And so there's data, there's actual data that shows that what you're saying is a hundred percent accurate. Right. Women are the, at the bottom of that totem pole. Even if we overcome that. And Emily, I think on the podcast, she gave this beautiful thing of like mothers are at the bottom, right? It's yeah. like of the like benefit to capitalism yeah. or to society. Like mothers are at the bottom of that totem pole. Yeah. And so even if we're able to overcome a lot of the, the traditional masculine perspectives or, or commitments that men are forced to make, we still exist in a society, though, that is demanding conformity. Yeah. Bell Hooks writes a lot about this. Mm, yeah. The late Bell Hooks. Um, and a will to change. And a part of that is also, and again, this is where it, it can't just fall on men. A part of this is also reconditioning that female perspective because everybody suffers from internal misogyny. Yeah. Right? Yep. So again, it's like, because <laughs> guess who are the ones saying like, oh, it's so nice of them to babysit? Women. Yeah. Women. Yep. I had a whole internalized misogyny thing around Taylor Swift. Um, I didn't like her for years. I was just like, I don't think she's that talented. I don't get it. Why does she have to keep writing about all of her exes? Like, why can't she write about something else? And I did this for years. Part of it was weirdly I was jealous, which makes no sense of random me being jealous of Taylor Swift. But then literally last year when Olivia Rodrigo blew up, you know, Olivia Rodrigo, mm -hmm. who is very much like has talked about Taylor Swift's influence on her, where she made this whole record about this one boy breaking her heart. And I'm like, yes, get your money, take your trauma if you want to and turn it into money. And then literally in real time, I was like, that's what Taylor Swift has been doing this entire mm. time. Very brilliantly, right? It's yeah. like, I'm going to take my heartbreak. And even if I'm 17, this heartbreak is valid. And I'm going to turn it into a song. And then I'm going to turn that song into a global thing. And I just realized I was like, oh, interesting. I have been sitting on misogyny against Taylor Swift for almost a decade. Yeah. But like, again, that. Olivia Rodrigo comes up and I'm like, oh, how brilliant. And I'm like, wait, Taylor Swift's been doing this shit for like 20 years. So what, what are they called? You're a Swifty now? Is that what it is? I guess. Which yeah. even feels weird. Like, she's not my favorite musician by any means. But now I have so much more respect for her of like, mm. I don't think she's the most talented singer. That's okay. She has taken something really smart, which is like, hi, all these boys broke my heart and I've made a fucking brand out of it. And I'm just like, I didn't, I was so, the, the misogyny around, oh, why does she have to keep singing about all of her boyfriends? Is she just dating yeah. men to have stories? That's literally what I started thinking to myself when I was like 21, 22. 
Yeah. Yeah. That, that, uh, I've heard, I've heard similar things. Um, not just about Taylor. By the way, I have a Taylor Swift tattoo. I'm just joking. I was going to say, I have a Taylor <laughs> like, Swift tattoo. I'm just- <laughs> no, Is no, no, it no, the I'm just scarf? Joking. It's just a scarf on your peck. Just a Perfect. scarf. Um, <laughs> no, it's a real it's a real thing. I've heard a lot of women talk about this uh, female to female yeah. competition, jealousy. Because I mean, but it makes sense oh, yeah. because it's we've created a, a culture in which success is so scarce that it's almost as if you have to like it's you, it's the same thing that men do you have to like pull down another woman when she's winning in order to We've been feel told there's one seat yourself. at the table. Yeah, there's one it. seat at the table for women. And, and so all competing. And of course the patriarchy does this cuz then they're like if we tell them there's one seat at the table they'll just all fight each other for it and then we don't have to do anything. Yeah, but it's also important as we think about this is I think that there's a difference we have to in these nuanced conversations separate the patriarchy from men. Mm, yes. And that's not what's happening right now, which is mm-hmm. why so many men feel under attack. Yeah. And, tell me and, more about that because I hate the not all men thing. Like, I hate that. You mean the hashtag not all men? Yeah. I just feel like it's, it feels to me like, like all lives matter. Oh, it is. But no, but that is, but that is very much what that is. It is very much a. I feel like it's men's. It's a, a man's well, hopefully well meaning well-intentioned response to them feeling attacked right so oh, like, yeah, but that's what it is right and but then it's like not all men and it completely um i don't know if disenfranchises is the right word it removes their or any man's responsibility yeah from, accountability yeah account exactly and it really and then it makes women feel like completely unseen and unheard i've just like it is exactly that. I mean, yeah. that's the whole thing. So so what I mean by we have to separate men from the patriarchy is that these are nuanced conversations because I or, you know, Joe Blow over here <laughs> did not create the system. Right. But we are benefiting from it. Right. And, that's and sometimes contributing to it and sometimes upholding it. All of them. But they didn't we didn't create it what we have to figure out how to do is recognize that the system is hurting us also. And we have to then figure out how, how to change the system while we're in it. It's the matrix. (laughs) It's literally the matrix. Sure. Right. And especially when you look at the matrix, which most men love, right. One of the greatest Mm -hmm. like action movies of all time. And then you realize that the two directors created the matrix, uh, really as a metaphor for, trans mm. identity hmm i did not know this um the mm. uh, wachowskis yeah right they're trans women and it's very much looking at the patriarchy in that way and saying like okay we're all in the same team now living in a system we didn't create some of us are benefiting more some of us without even realizing it are upholding the system we've also been con- conditioned at such a young age to believe that we have that this is the system that we have to uphold. Yeah. And we have to and and oftentimes fix, but fixing it can also end up hurting people we don't realize we're hurting because we have privilege. Yes. And what does privilege do? It makes us it 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 unfortunately uh prevents us from seeing uh all of the things that we should be able to see because we have these unconscious subconscious internal biases. So 
what I mean by that is like looking at men and like looking at men as, as partners. And I'm talking about myself here versus looking at men as the enemy. Yeah. Because nobody is going to win. The system will never be taken down if men are the enemy, right? True equality. And we know from a feminist perspective is all of us on the same team figuring out how to blow this thing up. Yes. But men will never join the team if they are the bad ones, if they're the ones that are terrible or screwing up, which is why I understand and I don't support it, the not all men hashtag. I've gone public and said, like, what are what are you of, like, of course, it's not all men, but there's way too many men. So it's just shut up. Right. Don't say all lives matter. Don't right. say not all men. Allow the women to say, I don't feel safe walking to my car at night. And it's not because of women. Right. It's because of men. Right. So if you've ever walked too close behind a woman, it's also partly your fault. Women are not out there making it unsafe for other women. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> Therefore, when this hashtag starts, maybe you should be quiet and not allow your ego to jump up and say, but some men are good. I'm good. Right. right. And that's what well, I mean. It's I like. I can speak to that as a white person during the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement in 2020, right? Is you want to be one of the good ones. And I put that in quotes, right? Is you want to be like, yeah, those white people are terrible, but like, I'm trying. And I even feel this in myself still. Like, I don't, I don't want to fuck up. I don't want to make a mistake, yeah. right? I want to be seen as one of the good ones. And I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine last week. She's like, if you're more focused on protecting your ego versus hurting somebody else. That's the issue, right? Is like if you're That's called performative allyship. Right. Right. If you're yeah. more worried about your reputation than what kind of hurt you're causing potentially or could cause, that's the issue, right? So I feel like that's and it's it's a very common response because again, we want to be liked and we want to do good and we feel like we're well-intentioned people. And so I feel like that is the response from men with the not all men thing. It's like, yeah, men are terrible, but like, it's not me. And it's like, it might not be you, but you're still doing some shit, <laughs> you know? But a, And a lot of those men who are writing those things are genuinely good men who, if they saw another man attacking a woman, would intervene. Right. But what a lot of men don't understand is it's, our, it's in our daily behaviors. It's in the yeah. micro aggressions and the moments that we should intervene and don't it's in the conversation and the way that we talk about women yeah um it's 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 our inability to stand up and say something when a friend makes a deeply uncool sexist joke yeah um or when we see a guy a friend of ours take a girl home from a bar who's maybe a little too drunk this is this is where it starts and and we can't it, there is no binary here we have to be willing to lump it all in together for the time being in order to care enough about women to make sure the world is safe. And really, that's why the hashtag doesn't make any sense. Just like it's what black people have been saying forever. Right. Like, you don't right. care enough about me. You don't care enough about me to stop these things from happening to me. So I have to protest and do all of the things that I have to do to get your attention. Yeah. And the same thing. And sometimes we have to say women. very exclamatory statements like all men yes. are trash or men are trash. Right. And when I hear that, I 
again, I go back to, I understand. I understand why so many women say it because one in four women for the course of their life. I mean, is that what it is now? One in three. One in five. It's one in three. One in three for a rape? Sexually assaulted? Mm -hmm. One in three. Sexually assault. Yeah, yeah. So you look at that and you're like, of course. If I was a woman, and now again, and then now you have, again, this is uh, the other part of the conversation, which is where intersection, uh, intersectional feminism comes into play is at the bottom of that, then you have trans women, black women, right? Black trans women. Um, And yeah, I would hate men too (laughs) if that was my life. Yeah. Because I remember the first time, I mean, I read, I just had Jackson Katz on my podcast and we released his episode today. The first time I read Macho Paradox, I was blown away because I really thought violence against women kind of was a women's issue. I didn't think about it as a Mm. man's issue, but it's 100% a man's issue. And then my wife starts telling me all the things that she's had to do over the course of her life to feel safe, why she doesn't go you know, why she wouldn't walk to her car at night, why she always has her phone in her hand, why she has pepper spray, why how she would put her, her, her keys, keys between, in between her, knuckles. her fingers. Like Every single woman. Right? Every you woman start, does this. And it's not just women. I knew this when I was a 12-year-old. Like, of course. And I think everybody, right, listening. And I, that's what I loved. Liz, on your podcast, it was a clip that went viral. It was so brilliant of, um, like, why are you the expert on masculinity? And yeah. she just had the most thoughtful response, which is, I've had to deal with it. So of course I'm the expert on masculinity. Like I know better than anybody because yeah. I'm the one who's on the, the, way that it hurts. On the right. I'm on the flip side of it. And I would also suggest that, you know, there could be another viral quote where a man could say a very similar thing, mm. which is Tell why we're more. experts on it. Well, I've also been hurt by this, by men and the same yeah. system, um, which is why I'm doing my work. And what men don't realize is how much we're hurting at the hands yeah. of each other. Yeah, the whole system is hurting everybody. We're all hurting. The only reason men are killing themselves at alarming rates and other people is because we're hurting. Yeah, it's because it's this. It's the. It's this. It's different but similar. The same reason why women are attacking each other for that one seat at the table is the same reason that we have war and that we are doing what we're doing to the world and the climate. It's all coming from the same place from a deep feeling that we are not enough and from our worth being measured by our productivity and proximity to power. Yeah. That's it. Which is why a feminist gaze, not in a man-hating way, because that is not feminism. And this is what I tell men all the time. Feminism that feminism is not man-hating. Mm-mm, it's not, not especially if you read, especially early black feminist authors like Bell Hooks. It's yeah. not. We have to bring everybody to the table. And that can only happen with radical acts of love and kindness and acceptance. So if a man is open to having these conversations, if a man is open to feel, if a man is open to take account and accountability for the things he's done wrong, that's a man that I want on this team. Of course. Like we like we have to be willing to just open that door for all of these men who maybe haven't thought about it this way. And that's kind of going back to separating the patriarchy from men in terms yeah. of like our neighbors, our friends, our fathers. I am. I think of the system like the matrix, like almost like from the time we're born, we're brainwashed. I can't be mad at somebody who thinks that they are a chicken. Like if you genuinely think that you're a chicken and you have feathers, how am I going to be mad at you? Like if, if you're walking around and 
you genuinely believe the sky is green, there's something in you that has been programmed that way. I can't be mad at you. I might be confused, mm, right. but I want to figure out, okay, well, how can I help you understand the sky is blue? How can I help you see that you're, you're not a chicken? You're a human being. It's yeah. a terrible analogy, but I'm just, I'm trying to make it visible. No, that's great. I, I just want fried I chicken. Now. Mad, that's all that's in my head. I can't be mad at them. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I can't be mad at them. I have to have compassion for them. Yeah. I have to, and I'm not saying women have to, I have to have compassion for them. Mm. I have to find a way to bring them in and help them see that no, the system made you think the sky is green. It's actually blue and it's beautiful and you're enough as you are. You don't have to, you don't have to see things that way anymore. That's what I hope for the future. That's why I believe that the key to all of this is healing. The key to all of this is yeah. us men, especially men, learning how to heal starting to take account for how we're feeling about the world, how we're feeling about things, asking ourselves questions we've never asked ourselves before because nobody gives a shit what we say as men. Men don't care what other men say. Why would women care what other men say? <laughs> we've been the oppressors. Nobody cares. So yeah. here we are in a system that devalues us, that makes us feel like we have power for devaluing others. And in reality, we're getting lonelier and lonelier and lonelier. Yeah, And it's through that perspective that we can all come together and heal. And I think as a society, we're just not comfortable being uncomfortable. Like, well, of course not. That's where the growth happens. Right. And so you're, it, it's so easy to exist in comfort, but never change. And so yeah. being brave enough to be uncomfortable and ask yourself, what part do I play in it? is the step to ultimately being a better man or being a better ally or being a better person just in general. Human being. We're right. great at that. Well, Justin, one of my favorite things is the story you tell in your TED Talk where you're like, I had to take my male friends on vacation for me <laughs> to have like any sort of opening up and you did it what like the last possible moment on this on this yeah, vacation. Yeah, it wasn't even me. It was a friend a friend of mine said something first. Re oh. So, so tell me more about that cuz it's my favorite it's my favorite story because I feel like again like vulnerability all of these things are hard enough just as people but I think specifically again the patriarchy has made it impossible for men to be vulnerable. Like so difficult. Yeah, because because vulnerability is akin to weakness. Yes. Um and weakness is uh, is akin to femininity. Mm. I mean, even I remember when I was researching early on, like I think it, maybe it was for my TED talk, but I was like, if I type in feminine, what happens? And I remember what does remember happen? something came up, uh, and I read even in music, a f there's a feminine note. It's a it's a it's a weak note. Hmm. That was how that was how I remember I read the the description. I'm like, wow, even in music, there's a weak like, like weak a chord. and strong. Yeah. And and I do believe that there is something to masculine and feminine energies. Completely. hundred percent believe that there is such thing as masculine. And if anything, masculine is a penetrating force. There's masculine and there's feminine, which is a receiving force. We need these two push and pulls in life to have to have balance we need it in love and but it's an energy it's an energy it's spiritual in nature yeah so the divine masculine the divine feminine this is a whole for another podcast these are things that we need yeah um even in nature 
we need them. In the animal kingdom, we need them. In the plant, in the mineral kingdom. Right. The yin-yang, this is energy flow. Right. What we've done is we've we've attributed it to gender and then said, you can only be these things. If you're outside of the box of these things, then you don't fit in this box. Right, because you have to conform. And you're worthless. Yep. When in reality, that's not how the energy of masculine and feminine works, especially if it's spiritual in nature. You and I, I could flip into feminine right now and you could be the masculine. And in many cases, this podcast started in that way where I was asking you the questions and you were giving. I was receiving and you were penetrating my brain with your brilliance. (laughs) Well, and I work with an Um, energy coach and literally the last like year and a half has been her just being like, I think you need to calm down on the masculine energy. And I'm like, really? And she was like, "Uh uh-huh. I was like, okay. But that's understandable, Tori. And my wife and I have long conversations about this because in order for women to feel like they have a chance to make money, be powerful, um, benefit from the system, provide, they have to develop oftentimes a masculine energy to compete in a world that says there's only one seat at the table right. for them. Well, in a negative so masculine makes energy, because there's so many parts of me that are the masculine energy that I absolutely love. I think my like productivity, my ambition, but like my rest, my softness, I have lost over the past couple of years in trying to build what I want to build. you're not alone. No, because life and society and all of this is really hard. And so I have, I have very much defaulted to the... And again, when we say masculine or feminine, we don't mean the societal masculine or feminine, right? Or like the energies, social construct, right? We're talking about literally just like in its purest form, what is it, right? And it's not it's not tied to gender. So for me, it was just, you know, I was in such a building phase for so much of the last couple of years and still am. And I've lost so much of the rest and the peace that is feminine energy. What's so, but you're, you're so right, Tori, but so many women are experiencing this. Yeah. And anytime, and this is why like the idea of toxic masculinity, I never say it, but anytime we are only allowing ourselves to be one thing that eventually becomes toxic. Yeah. Because if I were to, as an example, breathing is masculine and feminine. If I were to take a breath, I have to inhale and then I have to exhale. If I were only inhaling, I would explode. And that's what's happening. Yeah. It's what's happening to men all over the world. It's what's happening to women now. We are, we're like, we, we're trying to keep our head above water and we're exploding because we're not allowing ourselves to exhale, to rest, and then to inhale again. Mm. If the ocean was only slamming us with waves, we would all be underwater. Yeah. But what happens? The ocean has a very masculine aggressive force and then a very feminine pullback. Masculine, feminine. Everything in life moves in waves. Mm-hmm. It's fundamentally spiritual. It's how I believe we're designed. So what we forget is like, oh, wait. Men also can be feminine. There's a feminine energy in men too. Why? Because we're human beings. Right. We're created with masculine and feminine. And every human being is unique Every human being is different. Some human beings will develop very masculine um, personalities and energies, and some will develop very feminine. And that does not look like male or female either. Right. It's not about 
the actual gender or the biological differences between the two. Now that said, there of course is data and science behind the fact that the that there are many more men that exhibit early on masculine traits. But what does that mean? Then all of the ones that don't that have more feminine traits are thrown out. They're not. They're not allowed. Right. They're, they're not, not men. No. That's the mm. purpose. That's the purpose of my work in my book. That's that's the purpose of undefining the definition of masculinity. And the same thing goes for women. But in a system like we're living in. When we tell women that they either have to be extremely feminine or extremely masculine, you're creating toxicity in both sides, just like we're doing with men. Men who are who are so filled with like rage and anger, generally those are the ones who have never allowed themselves the feminine parts to come out. Those are the men that have never allowed themselves to experience the feminine parts of themselves. Yeah. So it's super important that we look for balance in all of these things. So back to your question, the reason why us men can't be vulnerable with each other is because that vulnerability, which is ascribed feminine and weak, um, is used against us growing up. Yeah. We can't show other men we're weak, why? Because we're gonna get bullied or made fun of or picked on or lose our standing. It's life or death for us men, which is why I have so much compassion for men, which is why my work is with men, because we're hurting. We so badly want to be vulnerable, but we can't because if we are, we might lose everything. Yeah, It feels like life or death. It feels like paralysis to men. So when I took my friends out, because um, I, I wasn't able to call them and tell them I was struggling, when I took them to Mexico on this trip, it required one of my other best friends on the third day being the one to open up because he was suffering with something for me to open up. Mm. Because we men learn from modeling. We need to see another man do it for us to know that it's okay. Yeah. If we haven't seen another man do it, we stay away from it because that means men don't do that. And the most important thing for us men is that we're men. That's our allegiance. It's not to humanity, it's to men. Because that's what the system has taught us. It's life or death. Yep. And that's why we gotta reach our young boys at an early age and tell them that that's not the way that life can be beautiful and sweet and fun and joyful and you can dance and sing and be free and you don't and be vulnerable and have deep friendships that don't mean you're gay and if you are you're you're still a man all of the things we have to teach our young boys so that they don't grow up carrying so much shame and anger in their bodies and end up hurting not just themselves but the people they love i'm over here crying thank you I admire you so thank deeply. Thank you for having me, Tori. Thank you for being here. Oh, um, thank you for teaching me too. <laughs> uh, this is amazing. Um, where can people find you? Um, what do you got going on in your life? They can find me at Financial Feminist on TikTok. Stop it. <laughs> Her first time can on TikTok. No, plug, because, plug yourself, uh, please, please, uh, please. She, no, really, they can find me at her first hundred k on TikTok yeah. because that's where they're going to be listening to. They us. are, and then I'm sure you'll link man to enough all book, the places. Man enough can, podcast, um, amazing movies. Yeah, the paperback. The paperback's about to come out. The paperback of Man Yay. Enough, and it's cheaper and more affordable. Yay. And so I highly suggest uh, those of you uh, looking at that. And if you're a woman listening to this, please consider gifting it to a man in your life. And let me just say this: don't tell him he has to read it. Don't make him feel like he's bad. Or that he needs to fix something. So that doesn't work. Say you just heard it. You felt like they could resonate with it. Don't force them to do it. That's great advice. And eventually maybe they'll get around to it. And if they really love you and it's important to you, then maybe they'll read it. Yep. Amazing. Thank you, Justin.
thank you for having me and thank you for educating women. Of course. And helping create more balance in the universe. Always. What a fucking episode. Oh, it's so good. I am so thankful to Justin for sharing his wisdom and advocacy with us. And I hope you have a new view of masculinity after listening. And much like he said about his book, this is a great conversation for anyone, regardless of their gender identity, but specifically for male identifying people in your life. So like he said, maybe invite them to listen. Don't call them out. Don't force them to listen to the episode. I think it'll be a really powerful conversation, especially for the men in your life. Please make sure to check out Justin's work at We Are Man Enough on Instagram and TikTok. And of course, the Man Enough podcast. It's a wonderful podcast, also co-hosted by a colleague of mine, Liz Plank. Also, we'll link the Man Enough paperback in the show notes. It has just come out recently. And since we recorded, Justin also announced the release of his new book, Boys Will Be Humans, a book for boys ages 10 and up that helps them embrace their feelings and their fears instead of repressing them. So you can pre-order that book now through the link in our show notes. Can't wait to see you back here, Financial Feminists. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Financial Feminist, a Her First 100K podcast. Financial Feminist is hosted by me, Tori Dunlap, produced by Kristen Fields, marketing and administration by Karina Patel, Olivia Koning, Sharice Wade, Alina Hilzer, Paulina Isaac, Sophia Cohen, Valerie Oresco, Jack Koning, and Anna Alexandra. Research by Ariel Johnson. Audio engineering by Austin Fields. Promotional graphics by Mary Stratton. Photography by Sarah Wolf. And theme music by Jonah Cohen Sound. A huge thanks to the entire Her First 100K team and community for supporting the show. For more information about Financial Feminist, Her First 100K, our guests, episode show notes, and our upcoming book, also titled Financial Feminist, visit herfirst100k.com.